Good evening. Thank you. Um, it's good to be here again tonight, and it's really good to be here, especially my whole family is here tonight. And uh, I thought about asking you to pray for them as they traveled last night. They got here at 2 o'clock this morning, and uh, I didn't, but I know some of us were praying, so it's always great to have my family with me and Ada when we're traveling and we speak to people. Um, I know it's not their... I know some of them, it's not their greatest cup of tea to follow dad around because they're not all as open to being where I am as, as I am. But I do appreciate it that they sacrifice to be there. Um, I felt a little bit guilty today. It's great to go into a place to speak and there be fellow men there that have the same interests that you do and they take the liberty to exercise those, and I'm not, I won't expose them, but we had a great day. We had a lot of fun. Um, I came back, and I saw young men still working after what they needed to be working, and it blessed my heart to know that there are young men and women willing to come and serve at a place like this. The statement of uh, the uh, devotions we had where you said there's two people laying together to keep each other, they warm each other, and then Ashton and Andon and I felt that last winter when we went elk hunting. We got stuck on the side of the mountain. We were not prepared for the night. We had a dead elk, and we knew we weren't going to go back to our tent the way we came. Our sleeping bags were back there. We ran out of food. We didn't have enough clothes, it was cold, and we started a fire, and needless to say, my boys cuddled with Dad that night, because it felt good having two beside each other, because it was cold. We finally had, uh, I took my pack cover out, and I strapped the belts for the, the pack cover to my belt, and wrapped it around my feet, and, but we survived, we're here, good memories. Uh, I have an exercise I'd like you to do. Um, if everybody could stand, spread out, find a partner. Husband and wives do not do this with each other. We will have a disaster if you do. Women, you have to find a woman partner. Guys have to find a guy's partner. Find a partner and face each other. Try to find somebody that's kind of the same length you are. You might run. You don't necessarily have to find somebody that's the same length, but it is, does help. Okay, everybody raise your hand, to, two hands in the air again, and touch hands with each other. Is everybody ready? Now start moving your hands. Do you feel what's happening? Some of you are born leaders and other people are not. <laughs> if you have two people that are born leaders that are doing this with each other, you're fighting each other. If you have a born leader and somebody who's not, you're following each other. That's why I did not do it with husband and wife. That can be a mess. Okay, take your seats. 
But you know, as we go through life, as we're going to get, last night we talked about uh, being in him and being all in, all in. And tonight we're going to break it down and we're going to talk about our personal walk with him. And I think sometimes that the, the, the exercise that we just did, it's great to remember that sometimes we force people into situations where they're actually not meant to be. We put a leadership person in, in we put a non-leadership person, an insecure person maybe, and we force them into a leadership position and it doesn't work well. And then we try to figure out what happened. In our church, when we had our outreach, the first year, two years that we had our outreach, the church worked great. Because when we reorganized, we only had six people sitting around that table. And when we, we wanted to have somebody have a, be a song leader, we asked, would somebody please uh, volunteer to be a song leader? Somebody volunteered. I didn't. I'm not a song leader. If you would have me, I love to sing, but I'm not a song leader. If you'd have me up here leading songs, it would be a disaster. So we had people, who wants to be on the mission board? Three guys raised their hands. Now we have come to the point again where we are reorganized. The church is big enough and we sit in a circle and we cast ballots to uh, be, on the mission, be on the mission board. So we look down the road. Well, George, he hasn't done anything. Moe's over here. He hasn't done anything in a while. And we put them on the mission board and they're not mission-minded. And then for the next three years, we're going to sit here as a church and figure out, well, why is the mission board not doing anything? So I know we can learn and we can teach each other and some people can turn into that. But I think it's important as we go through our personal walk of life and we're going to, we're going to talk about that more tomorrow in, is, is how do you know God is leading us? But to, today, tonight, we're going to talk about your personal walk. I'm going to apologize right off the bat. If those of you that are here and are struggling with something that happened in your past, Tonight could be painful. And I'm not doing this to create pain. That's not my point. But I would like to bring some things out to you in a way that maybe some of you, if you are struggling, that you can go through it. So when does your personal walk of life start? No. Somebody can answer. It's, no, nothing, it's not a wrong answer. When did your personal walk of life start? At birth. At birth. Anybody else? Conception. Conception. You're right. And I, I, I put this picture in it because you're, you're not wrong, but yet. And I'm going to tell you a little example. Um, Ada and I, young married, uh, Ada was pregnant with Ann and and I still don't know quite why it was in this way, but it was. And I, again, I don't know was I trying to be a gentleman or not, because it doesn't really sound that way. We were watching fireworks somewhere, and Ada was sitting against the wheel of our Explorer. And I think we had forgot our, our camping chairs, if I remember right. And she was eight months pregnant, eight and a half months pregnant. And uh, for some reason, I was sitting in front of her, with my back against her stomach, eight and a half months pregnant. The first firework that went off, Andon jumped. I mean, it, it, there, was no, there was no question in our mind that he heard that. So 
you're right in, in conception. I think sometimes we forget what happens in the womb. People that feel rejection can feel that in that womb already. And I think sometimes we do do us justice in living like that. In, in remembering that our lives started when we were in that womb. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more a little bit later. The next thought I have is who taught you to love? Somebody. Anybody. Parents. Parents. You're right. Was that you? You heard this before. I should have, should have shut you up. Um, a lot of people say Jesus. And, and one thing I want to make clear. Tonight, do not go home and tell your parents what they all did wrong. That's not my point tonight. Do you understand what I'm saying? So often when some things like this happen and they get talked about, gives the youth the opportunity of going back and telling their parents, you're the reason that I am who I am. That's not what I'm saying. The counseling world gets a bad rap right now for that simple thing. They go through counseling and people leave the counseling center with the feeling that I have a ticket to heaven because of something that happened back here in my life. That is not scriptural. It is false. When you get to heaven's gates, it's not going to be anybody else's fault that you don't make it, and it's not going to be anybody else's fault that you do make it. It's your walk of life that will keep you out of it or put you in it. There is no excuse, and that's why I'm saying this is painful to some of you. I'm sorry. Some things that happen, it's hard to get up and say that. But it's the truth. I know it, it'll take some time to work through things. And we understand that. But it's you and you alone who creates your destination. Who taught you to love? Parents, church, youth group. Um, from going back to what I said about don't run home and tell your parents uh, everything, you know, what I did, because guess what? Um, I dare say there's not a one of you in this room who wouldn't say that, yeah, I'd love to be married sometime. And if you get married, along come children. Guess what? You're going to have your chance to raise those little souls. Um, there's a story that was told to me years and years ago, ago in, in our uh, school. Before school started, we had an individual come into our school who talked to the whole school teacher and children and parents. And the, the same thing, I never met Derek's mom and dad till last night. Well, sorry, you couldn't hide it. Derek looks like both of his mom, both, he looks like his mom and he looks like his dad. If your parents would be here and we would divide you up, a good chance that we could pair you up to who you belong to. Um, the story goes on, and, and this, this individual said this story about he worked with an old bachelor for years, and he lost contact with this individual, but he heard through the grapevine that he got married. And he hadn't seen him for 10 to 15 years. And one day he was in town. Oh, let me back up. Through this time, he had heard 
No, when he was working with him, this bachelor had an accident and broke his legs severely. Never healed properly and always had a very significant limp. So 15 years later, he was in town and he looks down the road and he just started smiling and he had heard that this bachelor had married. And he hadn't seen this guy for 10 years and here he's walking down the road, three little boys walking behind dad with the exact same limp. You get what I'm saying? That was not genetics. That was just three little boys doing exactly what daddy did. And as you say, you will have your chance sometime. So don't, please, I don't want to be made known that I'm saying that what your parents did was wrong. That's not what I am doing. So we'll go to the next, and yes, you are right, and, and I am going to try and move rather fast tonight. I'm afraid we're not going to get through everything, uh, and it's okay. If we don't, we'll stop and we'll restart Sunday afternoon with it. The greatest example of love is John 15, 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, and we will be talking about that a little bit more a little later. And this next slide is, is probably a little bit more comical, and it goes along with who you are and who your parents are and where you are at in life now. You can't avoid it. Um, it's just the way it is. Times change. You're going to look like mom and dad eventually, and uh, there is stuff that happened between old people and young people. The other Sunday I was preaching... And I looked at our boys. Um, you guys are doing rather good here. Um, I had a hard time not laughing, but our front row has about uh, eight boys. And <laughs> yeah, Tig, Tig's struggling. Um, I looked down the row, and everybody's wearing short pants. The pants aren't reaching the shoes. And they're not even wearing black pants as socks anymore. I saw the American flag, I saw Donald Duck, I saw <laughs> in church. So, so times change. And guess what? Your times are going to change too. Okay, so we talked about where you are and where you were born and things that have shaped and molded you. So we're going to turn into influences for a new beginning. It's now up to you to set a stake in somewhere and say, this is where it's going to change. And I, and I, want, to, I want to encourage you. And, and I, I told Ada, talking about last night, I said, sometimes when you talk to youth, you, I want to be an encouragement. And I don't always want to knock you on the head and saying you're doing something wrong. And that's not what I'm saying. But there is, there is, there is just, there is. There's a great opportunity that in this group and this size of people, that there are struggles. And, and we want to be an encouragement for you. Influences for a new beginning. Number one is Bible reading. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about friends. We're going to talk about living life with a purpose. And we're going to talk about wherever you are at. Why is it important to read the Bible? I can assure you, young men, young women, all the way back through, 
In Bible school, we were talking about the other year, we were talking about we, we, we drill the youth so much about reading the Bible, not being on their cell phones, that we forget to talk to about the talk to the 40, 50-year-old fathers who are spending time on their phones and robbing their family from it. But we, we, we're kind of forgetting that era of things and we're just dwelling on youth. But this is a youth retreat, so this is where we're at. Why is it so important that you read the Bible? Talk to me. Why is it so important that you read the Bible? How God talks to us. I like it. I get to stay rooted. Rooted and rooted and grounded. I like it. Somebody else. God's word. How are you going to know God if you don't know His words? Love it. Fill our mind with who we are. Amen. So you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Somebody else? Stay connected. Encouragement. Thank you. The other night I was sitting at a table with a young man that has become a member of our church, baptized in our church out of the old order setting. And he was struggling with some things. He said, I'm so close to being baptized here, and I'm, being, I'm struggling. And he said, I just I need help. What, what, what can we do? And often when a young man is struggling with purity or something like that, I will, that's one of the first questions I ask him, how much time are you spending in the Word of God? And this ex-Amish young man looked at me and he said, I tried to do one hour a day. And my mouth fell open and I just said, I, I, I'm amazed. I said, praise the Lord, thank you for doing that. Keep it up. I said, there's no wonder Satan is trying to discourage you if you're spending an hour a day as a young man in the Word of God. When you are in the Word of God as young men and young women, it's just you and God. No Alan Raber. None of these guys here. It's just you and God. If I'm up here spreading the Word to you, there's a human in between you and God, and there's a great chance that I can mess something up. But we have come to the point in time in our lives that we spend so much time on our phone watching stupid stuff that doesn't make a difference in your life. I'm not going to start pinpointing things. But you and you alone need to be honest with yourself. Is this drawing me closer to God? Is this building up my Christian life? Or is it just dumb stuff? I'm talking to myself. When is the last time that you have watched something on YouTube that was really, really edifying? Nine chances out of ten, it's not. Because it just makes you want something that you don't have and want something that's not real. Things you see on Facebook, things you see on Instagram, it's a given track record in our counseling center. If you see a young married lady proposing things on Instagram, that they are one ditch effort away from a divorce case. That perfect home, I don't care who you are. If you have children in your house, 
that perfect home that is displayed on Instagram, nine chances out of ten is not the truth. Remember that. Dig into the word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Psalm, Psalm 119, 9 through 11. If you don't have these marked in your Bibles, I encourage you to. I know some people don't write in their Bibles. I do. My Bible is a journal. Um, I scribble in it. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereunto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The NLT says, how can a person stay pure by obeying your word? If you don't read the Bible, you don't know what to obey. Um, how many of you have heard rising, of Rising Up King's Ruck? I just found out about this the other day. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm a little bit careful about how I, what I say here. But they made a profound statement. This is, is not from a Mennonite background, but they are Christians and they are promoting and helping young men free themselves, the young fathers. And, and they made a comment that there's a lot of army background in this. And they say, they made a comment the other day that really struck me. Guys, if you're struggling with pornography, listen to this. Girls, if you're struggling with pornography, at one time we couldn't say that. But now in the groups that we are in and where things are going, you can look at both sides of this and say, if you're struggling in pornography. Because it's on both sides. They made a comment and they said, why are the armies so successful in going into a place and taking care of it and getting it over with? Because they are fighting for something that they hate. You get it? Do you really hate what you're struggling with? And I said it last night, or are you going to keep one little corner in your heart just so if something in the day doesn't go right, that you can bring that out and medica medicate yourself and it'll release the same endorphins in your brain that is relieved when a, released when a, an individual takes a drag on a marijuana joint or alcohol or whatever. The same chemicals that are released in that situation is released when you look at something on your phone you shouldn't be. But every one of us has one in our pocket. Sometimes I look back and think, what in the world did we do? But we're going to talk about that later too. The other day I found something, and this tells you where I am in my Christian life and, and, and my young life. And I found this verse, and I'm, I'm doing a study in Matthew, and I have a book that I'm going through. Matthew 4, 4, 4 through 6, but he answered and said, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angel charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Do you notice what is highlighted? Somebody tell me, what is highlighted? Who, who said it? You're, who said it? I heard Jesus. 
The highlighted part that I highlighted was not Jesus, it's Satan. Satan said, it is written. If we are not reading our Bibles, you will not have a crime chance in life. Because guess what? The little red-horned man is reading it. I never, ever saw this before until just the other day. And it appalled me. If he says it is written, he is reading. Did you say the other night the notes we kept, we put in our, in our, uh, the, the challenges you gave us, we put in our phone, and every time we open up our phone to have our devotions, you said that yesterday. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I know you didn't mean it that way, and I understand that. But if you're having your devotions in your phone, you've got to quit it. And you've got to pull this out and read it. Because you know what my biggest struggle is when I am studying on this for a message? This is my work computer. This is, eventually I hope this will change because I'm getting a new office. You're here studying and bing, there goes my Etsy account. <laughs> I sold something. Got to see what it is. Uh, there's an email that came in. It doesn't work. Get back to this. I challenge you. No distractions. Just you and God. If you need, if you need to open up your phone for a blue letter Bible, I use blue letter Bible a lot. You can look up a lot of things. I understand that. But be careful. Be careful. Other books. Should you be reading other books? Yes, you should. But there's great caution in it. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto disciples, If any man will come unto me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We have to be so careful the books that we are reading, that we are not following the author. If we are reading this, we are following God. Be careful on what books you read. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in music because I know that is a great controversy, but I'm going to tell you this. If the music that you are listening to is not pulling you closer to God, you have to quit it. And I was appalled in Bible school last year. We did a survey on what young Mennonite men are listening to. And I did not find what I wanted to find. I did not find what I wanted to find. Vocal or instrumental sounds, or both, combined in such a way as to produce beauty of form, harmony, and expression of emotion. A study in 2015 found that people who listened to music before, during, or after surgery experienced less pain and anxiety compared to those who didn't listen to music. Reference from Healthline. Have you, those of you that are dealing with the people here, do you ever, when somebody is, doesn't want to settle down for the night, do you play music for them? Do, do some of you do that? Some of you are saying yes. I, I, I would assume that that, that helps. Because what I'm going to show to you next, if you think music doesn't have an effect on you, go ahead, come and talk to me. But I'm going to show you something in the next screen 
That is very, very appalling. Does music have an effect on you? I'm pretty sure it does because if you see somebody going down the road and the music that you hear in their car and you stop at the stop sign and the car in front of you is blaring and the music and all of a sudden the car is starting to jump up and down, we all know that the speakers aren't doing that to the car. And today while we were fishing, we heard it. <laughs> all of a sudden we had a charismatic guy on the boat. I was surprised. <laughs> okay. All in good. Music has an effect on you. You, you know what happens when you, when you run a country song backwards? If you play it backwards, you know what happens? You get your wife back, you get your girlfriend back, you get your house back, and you get your car back. Let's go on. I could... Friends, who are your friends? A person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection, typical exclusive of sexual or family relationships. So when, you, when we're talking about friends, we're talking about somebody who is not related to you and somebody who you're not dating. Now, um, I would tell you that my best friend that I have is married to me. I don't quite agree with everything that the Webster says. But a friend is somebody who's not attached. Where you are in life, a friend is somebody that's not attached to you. Physically, you're not dating and it's not family. We talked about this in Bible school last year and we had some conflicting interest on this. And I know that some of, and I want to be careful with this because even out here where you're working with, you're working with a lot of people that who are not like we would believe. But it's okay. You're in here as a group. You have to be careful who you're friends with because you are going to become like them if you're not doing it in the proper realm. When I was a young man growing up, I worked on a carpenter crew and it was less than to be desired and I didn't even realize what was happening to my life. And I, I stopped the, the carpenter crew and uh, started another job and about six months later somebody invited me to their house from church and we, I was there for dinner and I wondered what in the world they want because that just didn't happen in our circles at that time very often and they made the comment that we want to just tell you how happy we are that you changed jobs that you are a total different person I didn't even notice it this young man that I talked to you about who uh, is trying to spend an hour a day in the Word comes from the old order setting and he still has some old order friends. It's so hard for me because we sit down, we talk, and his struggles come up and you can see the track and I try and get him to see what's happening. He has to get away from that crowd. Not totally 100%. You still want to win those individuals. But you have to be responsible for yourself. If you are spending time with people who are draining you spiritually, you need to stop it. You need to quit it. You need to man up. 
And you need to make changes because they will drain you. Proverbs again, I told you last night, please read Proverbs and I want you to. Proverbs 6, 9. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So does the sweetness of a man's friend by haughty counsel. Iron sharpeneth iron. A man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. We are losing the other, the other Sunday, the other, at one of the men's meetings lately, one of our, one of our advisory board meetings, it wasn't the whole church. An older gentleman in our church, it challenged us as ministers why we are not preaching hellfire and brimstone like they did way back then. And I said, it's probably because people don't get convicted, they get offended. And it all comes from this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. If you have friends who never ever challenge you, I challenge you. You need to do something about it. I, I said something the other, the other Sunday. Uh, I, think, I think I had the, uh, the main part in communion. And I said, it's kind of interesting how we do our communion thing. We all, some of us, some of you probably go in a back room and you give your little expression to the ministry or in our church every once in a while you have to stand up where you're at and give your testimony right there in front of everybody. If you have anything against me, uh, you know, uh, I have peace with God and my fellow man. If anybody has anything against me, I ask that you would come and say something to me. And we might as well say after it, I dare you. When was the last time that you walked up to your friend and said, let's go out for dinner? I want you to give me five things you don't like about me and five things you like about me. I'm going to tell you something that changed my life. This was years ago. I take our, I tried to. Don't do it like I used to, but take our children out on their birthdays for dinner. And I tell them that. My oldest daughter, Annie, is here. She was eight years old. I looked at her and I asked her that question. Big crocodile tears running down her face. She looks at me and says, Dad, I don't like how angry you get. when I knew that this man had to do something. Dads, when was the last time you walked up to somebody in your church and said, can you interview my children? I would like to know how I'm doing spiritually. 
Friends are made to challenge each other. And when you get challenged, you've got to shut up and not be offended and take it as this is something that I need to change. Purpose-driven life, a life of no regrets. I want you to be able to look back after you're done dating and you are married. I'm just talking this in the dating realm of no regrets. Your life that you are living, can we be like Howard? He's the oldest person here, obviously. He told me that last night. Can we have the testimony that he has at that age and say, I have no regrets? There's an inter interesting thing. I didn't, I didn't notice this until last night when I was looking here. I, it's a tree. It's the butt of a tree. Growth rings in a tree. I'm a woodworker. I love to look at growth rings in a tree. You can see exactly what happens in that tree by the growth rings on that tree. If you have a growth ring that's real small, it's a good chance that that tree had a drought for a year. The growth ring is really small. If the growth ring is wider, it means it had a lot of moisture. It, had, it, it, it was sufficient. Everything around it was great. It was growing. Life is not just because. Things don't just happen. They happen for a reason. Luke 9, 62, And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of heaven. I want each and every one of you to be able to continue down the road of life and to, to, to not look back and regret something. How many of you have, lived, uh, how many of you have read the book Purpose Driven Life? No, not Purpose Driven Life. Organizing Your Private World. I bought that book because I am pretty scatterbrained and can't keep things in order, and I thought this thing is going to help me with that. And his number one goal in that book is to be able to come home every night, sit in your recliner, kick your feet back, and say, God, you've got it. I'm just a vessel for you. You've got it. Life of no regrets. 2 Corinthians 7.10, For the king, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow with, which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. I put that in there in the NLT because it's no regret for that kind of sorrow. And if you go back into the King James, it's talking about godly sorrow. And sometimes I'm afraid that us as Mennonites are losing that godly sorrow. Um, this young man that I'm talking about so often, when he came to me, he broke down and he was sobbing. He was like, I can't continue this way. Godly sorrow. There's a video that I'm going to play next. I don't condone everything that's on this video, but I want you to get the drift. It is very, very good, and it, it helps you in light of no When regrets. I was at the University of Florida, for every home game, 
we would get in the bus at our hotel and we would drive right by the stadium and we would stop at what's called the Gator Walk. And every game I played there, there was probably 20 to 40,000 fans at this Gator Walk ready to greet us as we get off the bus. I would see all these people. I got to tell you, there were a lot of voices that started to hit me. One of the first voices that instantly hit me was, was pride and arrogance. Because I would look out and I would see thousands of jerseys with my number on it. I would look out and I would see Bible verses that they were wearing because I wore them. And so for a second you thought, dang, I'm something. They're here for me. This is pretty cool. I must be somebody. There's a picture that I stumbled across. And it's one of Time's 100 most influential images of all time. And it's the picture of this young girl. She's on her way from her village to a feeding center not far away. And she's so malnourished and she's moving so slow that this vulture is waiting to attack. So the young man that took this picture, I think there was probably something in his heart that he, he wanted to do good, he just, he wasn't sure, so, so he, he captured this picture and he just waited and, and then the vulture got closer, so he kind of shooed the vulture off and then he walked away and the vulture would come right back. And he was told, because of some of the sicknesses in the areas, don't touch anybody, don't do anything, and so he didn't. He didn't. He did nothing. Because apparently the cost was too much. So he left. He went back. The New York Times published this photo in 1993. In 94, he won the Pulitzer Prize for this photo. Four months after this, he chose to end his life. You see, every single one of us, we have a chance to be successful in life. And you know what, I hope you are. I really do, I, I hope you're successful. There's nothing wrong with being successful, but success is just about you. But significance is about other people. You see, that man that took that picture, he had success. That's one of the greatest honors a photographer could ever have. But obviously it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. So what's gonna be enough for you? You see, success is great. You can do a lot of things with it, but it's not gonna be fulfilling. And you can never forget that sense of urgency that it's not about your timeline, it's about their timeline. While you might have 30, 40, 50 years, they have days, minutes, moments 
She had moments, but it wasn't worth it to go pick her up. It wasn't worth it to give her a hug. It wasn't worth it to tell her about the gospel. Yeah, I won a Pulitzer Prize, but what does it matter? What does it matter? It doesn't. And I think the greatest tragedy in life is we're gonna look back one day and say, I was successful in things that don't matter. I want you to be successful, but more than anything, I want you to be significant. And when you live for Jesus and you love people, I believe you're gonna have a life of significance. I don't want any of you to ever be in that shoe, those shoes of looking back and thinking, if only I would have done that, or I would have done this. As I have been watching you, some of you as I walk around these halls, I saw one of you, one of you young men, I saw you give an old grandma there a hug, and it broke my heart. I saw others of you helping people. Ruth shared with me that in the last six months that you have lost a lot of people out here. You are being that. You are being that for somebody who only has a couple more days left. Us Mennonites have it all wrong. Most of us are driving to be successful financially, and there is nowhere in the Bible if you find something that says that money is a blessing, tell me. I'm not saying it's wrong to have money. But when that is our focus, we're, sometimes I think we're more concerned about making sure our young men and women have good jobs than really follow, following Christ. Sorry, I'm trying to find something here. I found this, I'm exposing myself, I found this on Facebook today. Poverty is from evil. Wealth is from God. It comes from a Christian man in our community. That is false. How can you say poverty comes from evil if somebody doesn't have any money? We're just going to stop because I'm not. Yeah, we are. Stop. 
I'm not done for tonight, but there's way too much there to keep on going to, so. I see tremendous potential here in this room, and I just beg and plead you guys and girls, don't live a life where you're going to say, I wish I would have. Sometimes, and I told you the other night, don't get so wrapped up in trying to find a husband or a wife that you run in front of God if he has other things for you to do. And we'll talk about that in, 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 in some, more, some more tomorrow. So yeah, um, I'm going to stop there, turn the time over to you.